I love the, the series that we are in as we begin this new year, 23 and Me. And one of the things we've been looking at in January is the 20th book of the Bible, which happens to be Proverbs and the third chapter, which is really one of those great chapters of the Bible, King Solomon's wisdom. And what we've been saying in this Proverbs chapter three, uh, we find wisdom that needs to be a part of our spiritual DNA to draw strength from and guide us in the living of life. And so particularly today, we're dealing with an issue that from time to time, all of us face. What happens when we blow it? What happens when we make a mistake? What happens when we find ourselves in a place that we never wanted to be? How do we handle those times? And I think together collectively, we have lived that after the Cowboy game on Monday night. Because if you remember, wonderful game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just the Cowboys played one of the best games of the season. They were awesome, they were amazing. It was a really energetic, wonderful game, except for our poor kicker, Brent Maher, had a historically bad day. And if you remember right, he missed four extra points in the game. It's been quite a lot of talk around the nation after that. So let's go back and remember a little bit what happened Monday night. Extra point is pushed wide right. Prescott had a place to go with the football, so they were they were caught. It was a sellout to try to stop the run. Easy touchdown. Extra point wow. is missed again. Great job, great drive, Dallas. And now Maher misses again. He's missed three tonight, four in a row. And he has done it again. (laughs) Now, I will tell you, honestly, I am so proud of the Cowboys. One of my favorite things is how have they responded to their teammate. They have been encouraging, they have been loyal, the coaches, the teammate, the management, and they have stuck with him. Because what they've said is he's a great kicker, he's had an amazing season, he has done just tremendous things in his career, he had a bad day. And that bad day doesn't define him. Because he's gone back to work and he's studied and he's learned and he's grown and he's had a great week of practice and he's ready to go. But how do you handle those moments when we have had a bad day. One of the articles in the paper, there was another kicker named Jay Feely. He kicked in the league for about 14 years on many different teams. He had one of those days. He was kicking for the New York Giants in 2005, and they were playing a game in Seattle, and he missed three game-winning field goals at the end of the game. And when he did, people made fun of him. He was the butt of jokes. Saturday Night Live did a skit about him. People were mocking him, saying his career was over, that he was finished. And I love what he wrote about that moment of how he responded to that very bad day. This is what he said. How you handle the week after, that may define your year, maybe even your career, said Feely, now an NFL analyst for CBS. The next week was the hardest of my life. You don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want to see anything. You just want to get to the next game. When it doesn't break you, it clears up such a path for you. It just allows you to play freer. It did me. I was a much better kicker after that than I was the five years before. I love that because that applies not only to athletics or sports, to all of life. 
when we blow it, when we mess up, when we had a bad day, what doesn't break us actually clears a path to make us better. It allows us to be freer and we can be better people after that event than we were before. I think that's exactly what Solomon is saying to us. So we get this brilliant wisdom of King Solomon in Proverbs chapter three, we're gonna read verses 11 and 12 and then skip over to 25 through 35. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn now to Proverbs chapter three, beginning with verse 11. And let's hear the word of God. My child, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves the one he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Do not be afraid of sudden panic or of the storm that strikes the wicked for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow, I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan harm against your neighbor who lives trustingly beside you. Do not quarrel with anyone without cause when no harm has been done to you. Do not envy the violent. Do not choose any of their ways for the perverse are an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the abode of the righteous. Towards the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he shows favor. The wise will inherit honor, but stubborn fools disgrace. Notice, right out of the gate, this wisdom that is so important for us to learn. My child, do not despise, but value, cherish the Lord's discipline. God disciplines us because he loves us. Notice discipline is not punishment. We don't mess up or do something wrong or make a mistake and God wants to punish us or zap us or smite us. No, God loves us like a parent loves a beloved child. God reproves us because he delights in us. You see, think about it. God loves us and God wants to guide us and mold us and shape us. And what is the time that we are most teachable? In that moment when we've blown it, that moment where we need help. In fact, I love what one scholar said of this text. I think it's a brilliant insight for us. Listen to what he wrote. He said, the world is unintelligible except on the hypothesis that it is for our schooling and that he or she who sows in tears is the likeliest to have sheaves worth gathering. Love that image. Life is a classroom and we are learning, we are growing. And when we are disciplined by the Lord, it's a way of actually making us better and stronger and correcting us and guiding us. And God does it because he loves us like a beloved child. In fact, remember the word disciple and the word discipline share the same root word. It literally means to be a student, to learn, to grow, to learn from everything that happens to us. And when we do that, it's amazing then what happens. When things happen to us, we actually can go to verse 25. We ask the question, God's not punishing me here. God is teaching me, God is guiding me, God is handling this situation in a way that's gonna make me a better person. And because of that, I don't need to panic. 
because of that, I don't need to, to, to be afraid when the storm strikes because the Lord will be my confidence because I am here to learn something. And then when the bad time happens, I love the rest of the verse from 27 through 35. When the bad times happen, we draw forth from this, this, this wisdom about how to live. This becomes our moral guide. Literally, this wisdom should be a part of our spiritual DNA. So at times of trouble, we don't have to ask, how do we respond or what's the right thing to do? We know what to do. In times of trouble, no matter what, we don't have to think about it. We are going to do good. We're going to be people who honor our, our neighbors. And we are going to treat people fairly and with justice and, and, and with mercy. And, and, and we are not going to sell out to the wicked for temporary gain. And we're not going to get the big head and, and think life is about us. We're going to have humility and we're going to point our lives toward God. I've been having a wonderful time in January reading a biography about one of the great Texans in Texas history, Sam Rayburn, who was the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, one of the great speakers. Sam was from Bonham, Texas. Mr. Sam served a district in Northeast Texas, and he was known for his character and his integrity, and he was beloved by people on both sides of the aisle because he was fair as he led the House of Representatives. Really quite a remarkable person and a great story. In fact, it's fascinating, decades, decades after he has died, it's his integrity that shines forth. In fact, I love what one historian was said about Mr. Sam, was writing about the great speakers of the House of Representatives in United States history and said this, a century earlier, Henry Clay had dominated the House through the force of his own magnetic personality. Speaker Tom Reed at the end of the 1800s relied on his superior intelligence while Joe Cannon cowed his colleagues with restrictive rules and swift punishment for all who opposed him. Sam Rayburn's unique leadership style, friendly persuasion backed by his own rock-bound integrity and insistence on fairness was already clear. Isn't that amazing? Joy, wouldn't we love that to be said of us when we are gone? that we were known for our friendly persuasion, our rock-bound integrity and insistence on fairness. My friends, we live in the classroom of life. Do we learn? Do we write this truth on our hearts? Is it part of our DNA so that we will grow to be people of rock-bound integrity? <clears throat> But as a part of that integrity, I, I think we have to be honest this morning. I think we have to be honest and admit that, that not a single one of us, none of us like discipline. None of us like this. I don't like discipline. I know for certain I don't like discipline. Pastor John, Pastor John doesn't like discipline. Miss Debbie, Miss Debbie doesn't like, and she was a middle school teacher. If anyone, no, I'm kidding. Um, no one likes discipline. I mean, not a single one of us. No one in the midst of our, no one in the midst of our affliction or our testing or our trials, none of us ever get together and we rub our hands together and we say, oh yeah, I like that so much. I think I want some more of that. Um, it's just no one, no one likes discipline. 
In fact, the writer of the book of Hebrews would put a really fine point on it. They would make that point abundantly clear. Remember, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12 says, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. The writer of Hebrews is actually quoting there, picking up on these, these verses that we just read in Proverbs. It says, God chastens everyone he accepts as his son for endure hardship as discipline. For God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate. Not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest, a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, the writer of Hebrews was saying, was that God doesn't discipline us out of anger. No, God, God disciplines us out of love. God disciplines us because He, he cares about us. It's, he disciplines us because, because He believes in us. He disciplines us because He refuses to give up on us. God disciplines us because He knows. God knows that we can change. That we can learn, that we can learn from the school, from the schoolroom of life. You know, it's, it's almost like sometimes, it's like God believes in us almost more than we even believe in ourselves. Amen. God's teaching us. God's teaching us about ourselves. And God's teaching us about Him. And we can do one or two things with it. We can... We can despise it, we can resent it, we can resent God's discipline, or we can receive it. We can fight it, or or we can follow it, because it's it's like poor old Brett Maher realized this this past week, there is a point, there there is a goal, there is an unmovable goal for, for God's discipline in our life. And the goal, the goal for God's discipline um, is to purify us. The goal for God's discipline is to prepare us. The goal for God's discipline is to perfect us. It's to perfect us. God disciplines us so that we might become more and more like like His Son, our Savior, Jesus, God disciplines us so that we can be more like Jesus. But, um, but that wasn't the only game that was on, on TV last week. Uh, last Sunday, there was another game. There was this, this great wild card game between the, the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Maybe some of us saw it. We were, we were actually over at Pastor John's house eating lunch whenever it was on. So I was only paying attention to the, I was only paying attention to the game kind of out of the corner of my eye. But, but there was this, this moment, there was this, this exquisite moment in the second quarter. 
Um, Josh Allen was out and, and he threw a long bomb down towards the, towards the end zone, but he got picked off. Uh, he, got, he got intercepted right about the, the, the five yard line. And, and one, one of the reasons I love Josh Allen is that he still plays football like he's just a kid out in the streets. Uh, I love Josh Allen because he still plays football like he's just a kid out in some field somewhere. And so whenever he got picked off, he just raced down that field. He tore across that field. He just made himself like any other football player out there. You see, because whenever he crossed the line of scrimmage, he gave up all of the, all of the, the, the protections that are typically afforded to a quarterback. He raced down and he just, he went to where the action was at. And whenever he got down there, he thought, Josh Allen thought it would be a good idea to pick on one of the, the, the Dolphins defensemen. Josh Allen, God bless him, um, thought it was a great idea for him to pick on the six foot four, 310 pound nose tackle named, named Christian Wilkins. Josh Allen got down there and he shoves him. Well, Wilkins just turns around, looks, and just shoves him right back. Um, but that got the attention of the entire, the entire Buffalo Bills offensive line that was still out there. Right? They, they looked and they saw their quarterback being picked on. Well, no one's going to pick on their quarterback. And so they raced down the field too, or their linemen. So they, they lumbered down the field too. And, and when they finally got to where, 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 to where what was going on, they absolutely creamed Wilkins. They, they, they just absolutely piled on Wilkins. And, and I share that moment simply to point out that, that the point, the, the purpose, the goal of God's discipline, it's not to pile on. In fact, the goal of God's discipline is, is actually to, to peel off. Because you see, whenever you and I were born, we were born in the image of God. We were created in the image of God, created in the, the precious, innocent, magnificent image of God. But it didn't take us too long. It, it didn't take us too long to start layering on other things. It didn't take us too long to start piling on other things masks and walls and defenses and identities and personalities, all those different personalities, all those personalities that we adopt depending on what different group of, of friends we're around, layer after layer after layer. And as we get older, those layers, they just continue to grow, they just continue to deepen, they just continue to thicken, they keep taking us away, getting us further and further away from this person that God created us to be. So one of the goals of God's discipline is, is simply just to start stripping them back. It's just to start, start peeling them off so that we might live that life that he created us to live. A life that's free, a life that's free from, from all those distractions. A life that's free from all of our games and, and all of our pretenses and, and everything else that gets in the way. A life where we're simply about that, that sacred DNA that, that seeks only Him. It's about peeling off. But it's also about, God's discipline is also about branching out. 
Do you remember the way the Gospel of John puts it? It's, it's John chapter 15. This is what it says. This is Jesus speaking. John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. He prunes to make it bear even more fruit. It's, um, it's this idea, it's this notion, it's this, this picture of pruning, of cutting back all the old growth to, to make room for the new. And just like with, with all cutting, just like with all loss in the moment, it hurts and and we wince. And yet Jesus goes on to say, just a couple of, uh, of verses l- later, Jesus goes on to say that God does that. The point of God's pruning, the point of God's discipline, the goal of God's discipline is so that our joy might be complete. God does it so our joy would be complete. God does it to, God does it to produce the harvest. He does it to grow the harvest, that, that harvest of, of righteousness and peace that we just read about in, in, in the book of Hebrews. Righteousness and peace and not for nothing. I just want to point out that we see that combination. We see those two things, righteousness and peace. We see those two tagged together time and time and time again throughout the scripture, almost as if the Bible is trying to tell us that if we want the one, that if we want peace, then we have to pursue the other. We, we have to pursue, we have to pursue righteousness. And so seeing like that, then God's discipline, God, God's pruning, it's all about, it's all about kind of promoting our, our branchiness, right? It's all about promoting the growth, promoting the harvest, promoting our ability to bear fruit, to bear the good fruit of the kingdom. It's about us being, being more able, promoting our ability to to just be honest, to live with integrity, being honest with God and and honest with ourselves, to ask hard questions, to ask honest questions, to every night ask ourselves hard questions like, was I a good steward of of my time and talents today? God prunes us so that we might be able to ask, that we would be more willing to ask ourselves hard branchy questions like, did my faith in Jesus make me kinder today? Did it make me more loving? Begs us to ask honest, hard questions like, where did I struggle to pray today? Where did I struggle to surrender? Where did I struggle to serve today? To ask hard, branchy questions like, did people experience the Savior today because I was guided by the Lord? God prunes us, God disciplines us so that we might be honest, that we might be bold enough to to ask every single day, what spiritual fruit did I grow? Let's open ourselves up to the discipline of the Lord so that that the harvest might thrive. It's about peeling off. It's about branching out. And it's about waking up. I mean, I... I wonder, ever so often I, I wonder, I wonder how many of us are just, how many of us are just stumbling through life? I have to wonder from time to time how, 
How often am I? How often am I just, just stumbling through life? Like poor old, poor old Mr. Maher, uh, consistently missing the point. I wonder from, from time to time, how many of us are just sleepwalking? How many of us are just sleepwalking from decision to decision to decision, never really being aware? Never being fully aware of what we're doing, never really being fully aware of the ripples that we're making. And that's especially true of seasons of doubt and pain. And so sometimes the goal, sometimes the purpose of God's discipline is just to wake us up. It's to wake us up, it's to wake us up from our apathy. Sometimes the goal is just to to wake us up, to wake us up from our carelessness. And, and our laziness and, and our going through the motions-ness. Because God wants us to be aware. God needs us to be aware, to be, to be mindful and to be soulful. God needs us to be aware. God needs us to know. God needs us to know the difference. God needs us to know the difference between, between right and wrong. God needs us to know the difference between real and fake. God needs us to know the difference between, between big and small. In fact, I love, I love the way that, that C.S. Lewis put it. C.S. Lewis said that, that the more time that he spent with God, he said the more time that he spent in worship and in prayer and in service, he said the more time that he spent reading his Bible and letting his Bible read him, the, the more time that, that he allowed that the Holy Spirit to speak to him, to reprove him, he said that the space, the more time that he gave God, he, he said it made the space that separated them. He said the space that, that separated him and God, he, he said it grew thin. Said it grew so very thin, he likened it even unto wax paper. And then he went on, he went on to describe it like this. Lewis said, I had the strange sensation of living inside a cardboard box that had been painted to look like a castle. The kind of child would build with great relish while, while all the time my little cardboard box was sitting inside the great hall of a real castle. There was a, a distinct sense of something larger and permanent peeking through the chinks of the physical world. Right, wrong, real, fake, big and small. God needs us to know, God needs us to know the difference. God needs us to know the difference so that we can be different. And so we can make a difference. See, it's about God coaxing God out of love. It's, it's God trying to coax us, to convince us, to, to convince us to come out of our cardboard castles and, and into the real thing into the kingdom that's all around us. It's God trying to coax us, it's God trying to awaken us to the reality of the kingdom that is all around us and increasing, increasingly within us. Amen. Within us, deep in our DNA. As we pray. <coughs> our God, um, This morning we 
we have to be honest with you because there's, because there's no real point in lying. Lord, we confess that, that we don't like your discipline. We don't like the hard things that sometimes you have to say to us, the hard words, the hard points. Lord, we, we struggle with it and we fight it and we run from it. God, sometimes we just turn a deaf ear. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us because there is such an emptiness. Lord, there is, there is such an exhaustion. And we're sick and tired of missing the point. And so, Lord, we pray for the conviction, God. We pray for, for the boldness to, to open ourselves up. Lord, I pray that there would be some in here that would invite you into their lives in such a way, God, that, that we would invite you into those places that most of the time we want to kick you out of. So those areas of our lives, those dark corners that we want to keep you out of, Lord, we open ourselves up. And we ask you to come to us. We ask you, Lord, to give us the courage to, to ask for your pruning. God, purify us and prepare us and perfect us. Make us more like your son so that our joy might be complete because God, we know only you can do that. Only you can complete our joy. So Lord, we pray, come to us and take us and change us and bless us. Lord, use us. Lord, use us all and only for the glory of your name because it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.